0: I mean, he's an unreliable narrator with an unreliable horse, which just makes it even
1: better. Listeners, I've had my head in my hands for the whole of that explanation. <laughs> I mean, what is the opposite of target audience? Because that's me.
2: <laughs> this sounds terrible and ridiculous, and I'm 100% going to be watching it. I really
3: enjoyed it, and I would wholly recommend it. Saran Jones is fantastic in it. Let's remember proper titles, please, Neil. Knight of the Realm, Saran Jones. This
4: podcast was recorded remotely and contains adult themes and language. Aho, and welcome to TV DNA, The Watchlist, our spoiler-free roundup of the current top TV. This week, young warriors, we're going to be talking about reservation dogs. My name is Adam Hemming and joining me is my nephew-grandson, Damien Cooper. Humbug. My sister-auntie, Grace Chapman. Hello. My uncle-grandmother, Neil Shepek. Buenos dias. And the dear lady herself, Isabel Dixon.
2: Hello. Merry Christmas.
4: And to you, I'm so excited that we are going to be talking about Reservation Dogs. Now, I've been talking about this a lot, and the third season landed last week, so I've been watching a few of those. But you have all watched, at the least, the first episode of season one. Damien, what did you think of Reservation Dogs?
1: Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed it. So I wasn't sure what the assignment was, and I've watched the first episode of season one and the first episode of season three in that order, thankfully, although it is pretty spoilerific to watch the first episode of season three as well.
4: (laughs) But you enjoyed it?
1: Yeah, really good. It's interesting to see how much more money and backing the show has by the third season. <laughs> that was that was really stark, the contrast in how much more was going
4: on in the show.
0: Budget, budget, budget.
4: <laughs> so we should say, for those who don't know, who, who wants to tell us what Reservation Dogs is about?
0: I'll tell you what it's about because I am fully in with the show. I am loving it. So it's about this group of young people on a Native American reservation in Oklahoma. Is that the correct state? Nod's brilliant. And we meet them when one of their best friends has just died because he really couldn't face living in this. I guess let's let's say the social economic prospects of that area is not great. And he just couldn't really see a way out. And then he, I don't, we don't know yet, I believe in episode one of series one, how he dies, but we learn he dies very quickly in the episode. Then they just want to get out. They're all, they're just trying to get money to get out. So they keep sort of doing petty crimes, but they're they're kind of this little gang. And then in series one, a kind of new gang is introduced who doesn't take kindly to them and then calls them the reservation dogs. And it's really about, them i guess trying to own their gang a little bit more and trying to get out of this difficult situation that they're in and it's all it's so characterful you have all of their families and their friends within this reservation and it's really funny and i'm, I'm telling you what i think of it now <laughs> have i missed yeah. anything key there
4: no 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 that was great
0: well i love it i really love it it's, it's one of those shows that I just watched episode one and I was like that's it I'm in I'm definitely in I don't know what everyone else thinks but it kind of reminds me of the bear and I'm trying to work out why I think it's the comedy they're like one-liners so it can go from quite it's not got really hard hitting yet in series one for me but it can be quite heavy and then there's this lovely one-liner that comes in that undercuts it and also it's such a specific part of the world with such a specific group of people it i don't know it feels like it could sit alongside the bear if you like the bear you might like this
4: well i think the other key similarity is that you know both shows have this this character that has that has died and that has such a big impact on the rest of the characters in the show
1: And one of the characters is called bear
3: correct really yeah 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 maybe that's it i really enjoyed it um i've only watched the first two episodes of season one, but I said for tonight's recording that I would watch one episode and there was time to watch two, and I wanted to. I genuinely wanted to. Fantastic characters, fantastic performers. The the storytelling with the kind of I guess the ghost Indian who fought with Custer, etc. I mean, that was really fun. And opens up, I mean, Adam will know a lot more about what actually happens, but it kind of opened up to me that this can go into a really interesting kind of form of storytelling. And yeah, and the main characters, Bear, and I can't remember a lot of the other names at the moment. But yeah, I just thought it was a really good setup. So I would hugely recommend, I will certainly be binging it probably over the next couple of weeks.
2: I also really loved it. I was I was straight in. I have been meaning to watch this for ages. It's been on my list for months and months because it's it was co created by Taika Waititi who I love, and it is such a Taika Waititi vibe. I feel like it's the sort of like slight, as Grace says, the slight like undercuts of like moments with just really funny one liners. It's such a Taika Waititi thing. Yeah, I'm really really enjoying it. Um, and I think another really great thing about it is this is the first ever TV show I believe where The entire cast and crew are indigenous, have indigenous Mm -hmm. backgrounds, which I think is really great. So, yeah, props, props to that as well. But it's just fantastic. So I'm really, I'm really excited to keep watching this.
1: I think the other thing just to to mention again about this kind of narrative device, this narrator we have, who seems to be obviously fantastical, omnipotent, but also incredibly unreliable, which (laughs) is really, it's a really funny mix. And the performance is really
3: good. What's he called? The narrator? is called William Knifeman. There we go. <laughs> I love an unreliable narrator. I mean, it goes all the way back to many English literature classics. Wuthering Heights is the one that first comes to my mind, but probably Dracula as well. I, I, it's a fantastic device.
0: I mean, he's an unreliable narrator with an unreliable horse, which just <laughs> makes it even better. But there are... Every episode you think you know where it might go and then it takes you somewhere else and i love that and i love the way that there's this really great element they're exploring of kind of legacy and history and obviously these teenagers some are more connected with their their indigenous roots than others and kind of how that ebbs and flows and how they reject that and then embrace it it's just really clever how they they they're like threading that through everything and there's just so many already within sort of four episodes there's just so many brilliant moments and there's an, a moment in episode 1 that visually you can see why they've called it reservation dogs and the payoff is so good so definitely listeners you know it won't be for everyone but it i think it really is it's really unusual and i'm here for that
1: i know we've also covered this already but i think it bears saying again the dialogue is so good the speed at which one line has come out of nowhere but make perfect sense for what has just been said, is brilliant. I'm, I mean, yeah, massive props to the uh, scriptwriters and editors for this show, because I think it's what really kicks it up to another gear of a, of a of an enjoyable show to watch.
0: But this has, like, just totally passed me by. Like, I thought there was only one season of this, so I'm utterly thrilled that I have three to enjoy. But <laughs> I know that, you know, Adam, you've been barking on about this for a while, but when did it happen like how did i miss it
4: yeah i think it's it was a sleeper sort of hit in the us but it just has not been promoted very much in this country i don't really understand why and it is it just yeah it's kind of one of these word of mouth hits i just want to go back on a couple of bits that you've said but william spirit knife man is a, a warrior who died at the battle of little bighorn even though he didn't do any fighting
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be me
4: <laughs> and I, I just wonder whether any of you have a it might be a bit early for you to really formed opinions but whether you have a favourite dog yet because you've got Bear who's kind of the lead although the four of them really share it then you've got Elora Dannon brilliantly named after a character in Willow you've got Willie Jacks, she's short for Wilhelmina Jacqueline and then you've got Cheese and I think probably from the episodes you've seen you you may not have seen much of Cheese he's a little bit of a sleeper character in those first few episodes
0: uh, I love Wilhelmina. I love them. I, I, they they have such great lines and they deliver them brilliantly. And I'm really interested in where that character is going to go. I feel like they're a little bit more intrigued by the kind of the indigenous history. I've got up to a bit where they're trying to put a curse on someone, you know, that sort of thing. So I'm really interested to see where that character goes. But all four of them are so distinct and they are so... They play off each other so brilliantly. I really want to learn about how they became friends because they're all quite different,
2: aren't they? Yeah, I'm a big Willie Jacks fan. Willie Jacks is cousins with Daniel, who's the one who died, right? Yes. They're they're related. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I'm intrigued about that. To find a bit more about that.
4: Yeah, they all had different connections to to Daniel, which you discover as the series goes on. Demo, have you met? I, I know they're not. I don't think they're in the first episode of season three, but they might be in the first episode of season one. Miko and Mose, yeah,
3: ridiculous,
1: the kind of twins? But
3: amazing. Yeah, haven't worked out whether they're twins or brothers. Yeah, yeah they're, they're both.
4: Yeah, they could be both. Uh, but yeah, this local rap duo who ride ride around on their bikes are just a real delight of the show.
0: Again, it gives me, you know, the facts energy from the bear sort of sits within that, that world.
4: <laughs> it's such a gentle show in a lot of ways. In, you know, it's kind of almost this hangout comedy drama. But every now and then it kind of hits you with something that just wipes the floor with you. I mean, I've just watched the third episode of season three, which is called Dear Lady, and it's incredible. And I think the more time you spend with them, the more and more it, it has a... An impact. So I'm thrilled. I'm just thrilled to bits that you've all enjoyed it. <laughs> and I think, you know, I hope that you do all stick with it because it, it just, there's no weak episodes in it. It just is, yeah, a really, really lovely time to spend with these people.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was going to say maybe we should inform the listeners, if, if you're willing to, Adam, as to why we chose Reservation Dogs this week.
4: Well, um, yes, sadly, listeners, those of you who are long term listeners will. Remember reference to Margot who used to tip tap around my kitchen floor in the early recording days. Uh, so she was a little background noise to our early podcasts. And was sadly, listeners, Margot, who was uh, very nearly 15 years old, passed away last week. She took a little turn, and then she wasn't going to recover from that. So yeah, we'll we'll dedicate this episode of the podcast to
3: Margot T Dog. Absolutely, no, a, a fantastic individual, and not to be confused with Margaret from Little Bumblefuck. Um, it's not the same person. No, Margaret's still doing
4: doing well, is she? She's still, still doing service. Okay. <laughs>
1: Good.
4: Perfect. Right. Well, let's. We we did talk about another couple of shows that we might have done for our featured show on this episode.
2: Um, so I would just like to say, Neil, I really, I think you'll be happy in a way that you did have time to watch two shows and watch two episodes of Reservation Dogs and didn't go in for Obliterated.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I didn't know which I I asked for advice and I was advised Reservation Dogs and I'm really happy with that. It's definitely solid choice. Yeah, definitely want to watch more of that. Depending on what you guys say, obliterated, I might try and cope with that at the same time. Neil, I think obliterated is totally up your street. That's all I'm going to say. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe when we finish recording, that is what I'll be doing.
0: Can I just say we're all calling it by its wrong name. Its name is USA, USA.
2: (laughs) I would just also like to say that Grace and I watched this on our lunch break today in service of the pod... So you're all welcome.
3: <laughs> Thank you.
4: Um, I mean, whatever you say, whatever, we're talking about Obliterated. It's a new show on Netflix. Whatever you say about it, it is better than our other option, which was The Couple Next Door on Channel 4. i I'll come on to that. Let's talk about Obliterated first. Excuse me? <laughs> You'll do what?
3: <laughs> oh, no.
1: What I would say about Obliterated... So I was talking to Adam about season two of Kin. Obviously, Kin, brilliant Irish show that we've talked about previously. And Adam's response was, have you seen Obliterated? And I took that to mean, this is a must-watch show. So, <laughs> dutifully, I stopped what I was doing, cracked on Netflix, got five minutes in, where said, I can't watch this rubbish. and And then I watched the rest of it on my own later. By about 20 minutes in I was still fooling myself That maybe this is self-aware And if it's self-aware Then this, is, this could be good But it just became so hack As it went further and further But Neil, what I will say I know you said you don't want any spoilers This could be a deal-breaker for you though There are a lot of very taut Very tight bums
3: Oh, okay
4: I'm interested now. I've got to jump in. I think it's 100% self-aware. I think this is definitely this is American Pie meets the A Team. You can't only watch the first five minutes because then you only get the A Team and you don't get the American Piness of it all.
3: But I love both of those. Like that's a perfect elevator pitch for me.
2: Shall I, for Neil's benefit, try and summarise what this is about? Sort of. Okay, so we've got a a kind of special ops team of super spies who um, are in Las Vegas and they are essentially taking down a a massive bomb threat. So there's a kind of Russian cohort from the KGB who have are selling a massive nuclear device, which could could blow up the whole city. And they foil this attempt. There's like a big old like, you know, shootout, like crazy battle scene. All very self-aware is not the right word, but imagine very 90s hack kind of vibes. And then they, having successfully defeated the baddies, decide to have an absolute rage of a party, take lots of drugs, get really drunk, unleash chaos. And then they find out that actually the bomb threat they've defused is in fact a fake, and the real bomb is still around and is going to explode in six hours. So they are obliterated, but I need to stop the city from becoming obliterated.
3: And there's no spoilers in that synopsis
2: no that's the premise of the whole show
0: um so yeah I have some thoughts (laughs) (laughs) if it is self-aware it's hiding it very well (laughs) I really enjoyed being you know in the post American Pie era um and I don't love going back and I just was waiting I kept turning to Izzy and going this is i mean this is obviously a joke so when when is the joke like when is the actual joke though because it never came a lot of people did come but not that not that
3: (laughs) i hate it when it doesn't come (laughs) i've got to say i think i think i
1: think the one thing that we can definitely agree on having watched the episode is that not everyone does come i think spoiler alert i don't know yeah um what i would say is neil I know we said off air that we weren't going to give you any spoilers in terms of the narrative. Given how it's plotted, written, and it's just general vibe, we could tell you what happens episode by episode. I don't think it would be it would spoil it because you you know what's going to happen about 20 minutes before it happens constantly.
3: Well, (laughs) you're not selling it to me, to be honest. I don't think I actually want to watch it based on what I've been hearing.
0: But Neil, there's bums, titties and balls.
4: Ego, you go, Neil. It's, I mean, I think this is turned up to 13. This is that action. Action meets gross-out sex comedy, but ramped up. You've got camels, casinos and copious amounts of cocaine. Uh, you've got vomit, sharting, with sex acts. And the most nuts, is it cake moment ever? I've watched four episodes of this. I think it's highly entertaining, funny, fast-paced. I think the action is great. I think it is totally self-aware and knows what it's doing. Cracking cast. I mean, you've got Princess from The Walking Dead. And the last thing I'll say is that you'll never look at a banana split in the same
3: way again. Um, I'm allergic to bananas, so...
4: I would yeah. just
2: like to just quote The Guardian's one-star review, which says, This thriller is so bad, you long for the villains to use the nuke.
4: <laughs> God. But it's 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 definitely a comedy, not a thriller, or you know, there, it's it's action. I think I, I, I am sort of semi joking in this. I have watched four episodes, and I am quite enjoying it. But I think you have to applaud how far they've gone with all of it, with the action, with the with their out there stuff. It's a lot. It's definitely not going to be everyone's cup of tea. But I, I think that the commitment that they've made in going to the extreme. And it is extreme in every way that's what kind of compels me to keep on watching
1: but it's mad so an attack helicopter shoots up a giant hotel in las vegas they solve the issue that's not a spoiler we've already covered that and the team who are a multi-agency team by the way so all all major law enforcement other than fbi are involved in this one of them says we saved them all today and they won't even know it's happened except for the fact that everyone in Las Vegas will see this giant building this made of glass has been shot to shit by the attack helicopter that was just firing grenades into it for 5 minutes
2: Grace and I said exactly this demo and we were like we were trying to guess how many millions million pounds worth of property damage that happened <laughs> during the shootout
4: yeah if you're looking for plot logic this is not this is definitely not the show for <laughs> <laughs> the show
3: for you um,
0: and, and, you know, if you want to live in 2023, this is not the show for
4: you.
3: Well, how many days have you got left in 2023? I genuinely think it's poking
4: fun at all of that. I genuinely think that is the intention of the show. But, yeah, as I said, <laughs> I think it was an experience that we all needed to have, like whether you watch on or not. I think as, as a TV thing, there aren't many shows like this. Can, exactly. I, can, can I tell you, did anyone watch any of The Couple Next Door? No. Oh, well, can I tell you why this was a better show than The Couple Next Door? I only watched the first seven and a half minutes of this show. It had an incredibly confusing opening. There were lots of guns and people running. And then we had public displays of affection and jealousy already in the first five minutes. Just bad acting, lame shots of this eye in a telescope. And I just couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to watch anymore. There's a point in this. There's, there's a buff guy, right? There's a beefcake, if you like. He, at one point, he lifts a kitchen appliance under one arm, but he can't act his way out of a paper bag. <laughs> this was meant to be a racy, taut drama from Channel 4, and it was just utter
3: tripe. Well, referring to the previous show, I like seeing Bum's virtuosic nudity um as much as the next man and the man after that. But... You've not convinced me, and I certainly don't see any of that from the couple of next door. <laughs>
1: I have a question, and it's in two parts. Okay. First part is, what level of uh, PDA are we talking about? And secondly, because, and Neil, I think you have rightly raised this point for want of a better word. Side by side, comparatively, what's the bum watch situation between the couple next door and obliterated?
4: Uh, I can't really remember what the PDAs were all about in the couple next door. I just, it just—it was, yeah, it was just awful, really, really badly made stuff. And just, I urge you not to watch it. Uh, <laughs> if it's bums that you're looking for, another show that I can recommend to you is Slow Horses, uh, because in the new third season of Slow Horses, there's a double butt shot. We get to two butts, uh, and we also get Gary Oldman's moves. We find that on Pornhub. <laughs> No, it's on Apple TV+. Slow Horses is brilliant. Definitely well worth watching. We Now we're in the third season. We we love these characters so much. And it really pays off in the opening episode. Thoroughly invested and hooked in in watching on for Slow Horses. They came out on the same day as Reservation Dogs. Slow Horses. Both came out on the same day. I was like, what other animal-related shows can I watch? Top Cat? Uh, I don't know.
1: Animal Farm? Talking about
4: Pornhub? No, definitely edit that out. Definitely <laughs> edit that out. <laughs> Oh dear, let's move on then, swiftly. What else have you been watching? Grace, what have you been watching?
0: Well, you know what? I'm so glad, to be honest, about Reservation Dogs. And at this stage, quite grateful for Obliterated because I needed an intervention this week. I've watched a lot of Married at First Sight UK. A lot.
2: (laughs) How many episodes was it the other night, Grace?
0: Time time, and space has really got confused now. I couldn't possibly tell you how many I've watched now or how many I watched last week. Firstly, what happened was I had quite a big craft project to finish. And it's important to have, do that in front of shows that don't matter and you don't need to pay attention to. So this is perfect. That's not an excuse, though, for my behaviour. So what's happened is that they've, they've introduced all these new couples, these new weddings, they fed the beast. And now it just won't end. It will (laughs) never, ever end. And I'm in and I care. And there's one couple I would quite like to do quite well. But there was something interesting, actually, about this series. There was one thing. So in the past, maths has been quite criticised about not calling out toxic behaviour, specifically from men. And it's always been it's been a bit dodgy that I have to say. Not this season. Nuh uh. This one guy was a bit dodge and uh, they called it out. They called it for what it was and they kicked him out of the air quotes experiment. Okay, so, Damo, what have you been watching? <laughs> Grace,
4: Grace, did you watch the final? Has everyone watched the final of Baker?
1: Yes.
0: Yes.
4: No. Do
0: you, do you care, Demo, if we talk about it?
1: Might zone out, but please, as long as you guys
0: are happy, I'm happy. Well, we probably shouldn't reveal the winner, should we? But I did shed a tear.
2: Yeah, I will say it was a good... Like I was happy with the winner. It was a good winner.
4: Yeah, I was unhappy with the quarterfinals and the semifinals. Wrong person went out each of those times. And so I was worried for the final. But ultimately, yeah,
3: right person won.
0: Yeah. Oh, speaking of quarterfinals, um, Neil, have you been... Are you up to date on Strictly? Because I am.
3: And When I say I'm up to date, I watch Saturdays and then when i found out the one of the contestants had left and there wouldn't be an elimination on sunday i didn't watch sundays no Just... like,
0: yeah no there was no point no, no. but what no. Who, who are you rooting for neil who I should...
3: been for bobby to be honest I guess emotionally, I'm really engaged with his backstory, with what happened with his mum. And he seems to have such an amazing dad. And he seems to have come out of what could be very traumatic, um, and probably was, but he seems to have come out of it very level-headed. He's also a great dancer. He's a great entertainer. He's fantastic to watch. That's, That's kind of where my support is.
0: Yeah, Bobby's a sweetheart. I'm team Ellie and Vito at the moment, but I have to say, you've got to bow down to Leighton and Nikia. That Paso Doble. Oh, Jesus.
3: Absolutely, absolutely stunning. I know that there's a huge backlash with Leighton because he's already quite a trained performer. So a lot of people don't think he deserves to even be a contestant. I honestly think he's fantastic. And if he were to win, the excellent dancer has achieved you know a great accolade
0: yeah I felt similarly at the start about Leighton but now I think he's completely earned his place and he did make get his he did make Craig get his 10 paddle out
3: well I mean you know that that that, that's an amazing achievement for anyone Craig's 10 paddle very rarely comes out Grace um you like dating shows right
0: yeah yeah
3: and
4: you like um, Sex and the City?
0: Sex and the City, yes.
4: Yes. What would you say if those two things were combined?
0: I have heard rumours of this, about Candice Bichelle doing some sort of modern Sex and the City reality TV show.
4: It's going to be called Is There Still Sex in the City? And it will feature four friends in their 50s as they navigate the immersive dating experience in a love do-over. They'll try the, the boy toys... They'll sample a senior age player, be romanced by the rich guys, and even get to flirt with their fantasy man.
0: Even get to flirt with their fantasy man? Damo, what do you think about this?
1: <laughs> Listeners, i have have my head in my hands for the whole of that explanation. <laughs> I mean, what is the opposite of target audience? Because that's me.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm definitely going to watch this. I'll report back. Don't worry,
2: I'll pioneer I will make that sacrifice.
4: Fantastic. How about you, Izzy? What have you been watching?
2: So it's been a while since I've been on the watch list. People might remember that I just started The Haunting of Hill House last time I was on, which is a good month ago now. I finished The Haunting of Hill House and then I watched Midnight Mass. So I've gone all in on Mike Flanagan. Both fantastic. Really, really, really good. Like probably has slightly spoiled other TV for me because watching two really good series back to back and then watching Obliterated... <laughs> <laughs> not the easiest. Absolutely loved both. Haunting of Hill House, I think slightly passed me by when it came out, but I think is is now one of the best things I've ever seen, hands down. And Midnight Mass, I didn't love as much, but was still incredibly entertaining. Um, really, really good, suspenseful TV. And my housemate, who is not a horror person, also watched Midnight Mass and thoroughly enjoyed it. So yeah, great writing, great performances. Highly recommend. They're not, you know, new out this year, but I think Midnight Mass was 2021, so that's slightly more recent. And then if you get on board with those, and obviously House of Usher came out a couple of months ago and was great.
4: Yeah, monologues and montages in Midnight Mass.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah, that seven minute take on the beach. Beautiful. (laughs) So, yeah, those have been my main things alongside Bake Off. But now I'm all in on Reservation Dogs, so I'll be trucking on with that.
4: Great stuff. How about you,
1: Damo?
2: I've got quite a list
1: this week, but I will go through it as quickly as possible. So, obviously, I've carried on watching Fargo, which is still brilliant. Uh, big recommend from me. Finished the first season of Kin, also brilliant. There was an article I was reading recently saying that us Gen Z, uh, we, we're kind of a bit over love stories for love stories' sake, And that is probably the only complaint that I have about Kin, is the torturous love triangle. The rest of it, I think, is really, really good.
4: There were some moments for me in Kin when I was like, really? They're they're trying to be not found? It's basically these two gangs at, at war, essentially, is what's going on. And there's one group who are trying to find another group and not doing particularly well at it. And then this other guy just gets found. Anyway... I had I had a few issues. I I loved the cast. I thought that, and I and overall, I think it's a really really good compelling drama, good Irish crime family drama. But yeah, there were a few. I had a few question marks over some of the moments in there,
1: including the police car that's stationed outside their houses. But it's absolutely fine to let them go off and clearly do something illegal, which is also a big issue.
4: I did enjoy the ayahuasca ceremony though.
1: Oh, yeah, that was good fun, wasn't it? Then we got a nice, torturous flashback as well that kind of wasn't ever really answered. But still, it was good fun nonetheless. Yeah, I'm not sure this is that popular amongst the group, but obviously the Euro 2024 group draw was this week. Very exciting uh, for those of us who are into football and looking forward to the Euros. I finished Detectives Bringing Down an OCG. I talked about this last week. It's a three-part documentary on the iPlayer about um, a task force bringing down an organised crime group up north in Greater Manchester. It's really good. If you're into documentaries or if you enjoyed Line of Duty and want to see kind of the real work that goes into bringing down an OCG, it seems pretty genuine. It's not kind of overly glitzy. It's just really hardworking people who want to help the community.
0: Damien, can you confirm if uh, the board that's always in uh, police dramas with the colourful string and the pictures is for realsies?
1: So it's only partially realsies. There's no string. But there is obviously the board with the pyramid of the top dog, the generals and then the foot soldiers. That is true.
0: Okay, I'm relieved. Thank you.
1: That's okay. That's okay. I said, I would recommend watching it, Grace, that you, you'll enjoy Because I know you didn't like the adventures of AC12, but this isn't AC12. This is a task force bringing down an OCG. So that'll be more for you. Um, I've carried on watching also on iPlayer, Rap Game UK, uh, which is still good. Uh, shout out to LR Luz, Lewis representing Lewisham. And then I've watched the latest episode of the new series of Have I Got News For You? which is hosted by Gus Khan, which is very good. Janet Street Porter and a Geordie stand-up that I can't remember the name of right now were the guests. Um, I thought it was a very good episode. Uh, and I've also started watching another, what is it? I, I mean, it's kind of a documentary, but there is some dramatic stuff going on, uh, which is Julius Caesar, The Making of a Dictator, which is another three-part documentary on BBC iPlayer. And once again, another week goes past in which I think of the Roman
3: Empire. Mm. Um to be honest, I saw the that existed and thought, oh yeah, I'll probably enjoy that. So I assume you highly recommend.
1: Yeah, and what's really interesting for, for fans of British politics, there's lots of historians, and then there's one former MP and cabinet member, Rory Stewart who has got some good knowledge. And he's talking about Cato, who ends up in opposition against Julius Caesar. Cato is a very kind of moderate, thinks about the Republic first, whereas uh, Caesar at that point is a philanderer, a populist and completely unreliable. And he seemed really impassioned talking about that. Uh, I wonder if maybe it harks back to him losing the leadership election to Boris Johnson. Uh, and he found that to be a little bit too raw.
3: Well, I mean, to be honest, politicians on TV, I mean, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. You know, he, he, you just look at what the effect of that is.
1: Well, that's it for me. That's that's all I've watched. I don't know if we want to just quickly jump on, now that you've mentioned that, Neil, about the the news that's come out. Anton Deck have said as of this morning, officially, that I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here should no longer have politicians on it. Um, And that seems to be something they are incredibly passionate about three or four weeks after the show started and as the ratings have absolutely tanked. So obviously it's a very important issue for them once it hit their
3: pockets. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have that issue when all the various previous politicians went on there. I personally, and I have been watching, <coughs> I'm a celebrity. I cannot stand Nigel Farage, even though he's very entertaining. I guess Boris Johnson would fit into that same pocket. But I, I, I'm not sure about the decision. I'm not. I, I think they need to just be a bit wiser as to which so called celebrities they invite on. Because there's not been an issue with politicians in the past. just this time they've chosen a very diverse politician and that gamble hasn't paid off.
0: You know what, though? I can see a world in the future where Boris Johnson is on that show and then I think it will be the apocalypse.
3: (laughs) Neil, have you been watching anything else? Well, keeping with reality TV, which um, I have been watching quite a lot, Survivor, I still hugely recommend. There's some fantastic gameplay and backstabbing and, and strategies, and that's really fun to watch. Mamma Mia. Mamma mia, here we go again, um, I think or i i I can't remember the full title anyway it's a mama mia casting for the west end i'm really happy with who's going through the final i'm not gonna spoil it as to who that is but i'm really happy with the people who've kind of made the grade so yeah been watching both of those both very enjoyable survivor lots of tactics it's not quite as good as traitors but it's definitely worth a watch. And then the Mamma Mia one, if you like pop music like ABBA, there's a lot to enjoy there. They're the only two kind of Sunday hungover mornings. You know, I mean, I, as a teenager, I used to watch Survivor, the teenage eye feast of um, lots of young people, and that was perfect hangover TV for me. And this is the same, but for slightly older generation, probably the generation that enjoyed the original Survivor. But we're now all in our, you know, thirties, forties, fifties.
0: Yeah, Neil, you, you are the target audience, definitely. Uh,
3: no, I am. I definitely am. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Well, in the final instalment of our uh, TV DNA reality TV watch, I've been watching Squid Game's The Challenge. I started watching this last week. It's highly addictive stuff. Really? Yeah, it's very authentic to the the show. The clever twists that they've added, such as the way they pair people up to play marbles, are really very well done.
2: Mm. I do sort of want to watch this. Well, originally I was like, I I find the whole idea of this really strange given what Squid Game is about. Found the whole idea of it really, I don't know, a bit weird. And then my friend has been watching it and said it is like traitors level addictive and is obsessed. So I kind of feel like now maybe I should give it a go. I,
4: I think it's thoroughly decent. I, I, you know, I think yes, I think you'll enjoy it ultimately is what I'm saying. Like the individual stories of the contestants are woven in really cleverly and it's a mix of those who survive the challenges and those who don't. So, you know, it's not like they're only focusing on the people you're going to see through to the end. I think I've got four more of these to watch, but it's never dull. It's thoroughly entertaining. If you like this sort of challenge reality TV, I think you'll, you'll really enjoy this. And where can we find it? It's on the Netflix.
0: Uh, quick question from me. Do, have they brought in the weird masked Americans yet?
4: <laughs> no, not yet. But maybe, maybe towards the end they will appear. <laughs> <laughs> So I've had three days off, so I have got a little bit of a list. Um, (laughs) Some good recommendations in here. So I finished Boat Story. I've talked about Boat Story before. I think this is a really, really good, wacky, well-crafted story of two strangers finding a boatload of cocaine. I mean, after Kin and Obliterated, I feel like I've been on coke for most of this week. Um, (laughs) But yeah, uh, Daisy Haggard and Patterson Joseph and a colourful cast of characters, all really well-played and convincing. It can be gory and grisly at times, but it's huge amounts of fun. Made by the same people as made The Tourist. So if you enjoyed The Tourist, I think you'll really love The Boat Story. Also finished Scrublands, which was the Aussie drama. Yeah, nothing particularly new here, but it's only four episodes. I think the revelations in this are well-spaced. There's kind of character and relationship development throughout it and good performances. So I think if you want a short, sharp mystery drama set in Australia, then you could do far worse than Scrublands. That's on the Beeb as well. Uh, both stories on the on the iPlayer. Well, so I've started some new stuff. So the new shows I've started that I'm really enjoying, Blue Eye Samurai on Netflix. This was a recommendation from good friend Steffi Schreiter. It's about a young, it's an animated show about a young samurai in 17th century Japan. And they are a half-breed. So Japan closed its borders. There were only four white men in Japan at the time that they were born. And so they're kind of on this quest for revenge, but basically they have blue eyes, which is what identifies them as being a half-breed. And the way that this has been made is kind of reverse storyboarding. So they filmed the action sequence and then they animated based on that filmed footage. So the fight sequences in this are really beautifully done. Again, some graphic violence in here and some nudity, but I think not overly gratuitous. Like, on one occasion, at least, it's intrinsic to the plot. And the rest of the time, pretty justified. But the voice cast of this, you've got Maya Erskine, George Takai, Masai Oka from Heroes, Randall Park, Ming-Na Wen, and Kenny Branner.
0: The doppelganger Kenneth Branner.
4: Yeah, my doppelganger. But yeah, I think blue Eye Samurai, I'm really glad I got a recommendation for this, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. If you like that that sort of show, animation, or, yeah, sort of Japanese combat stuff, then I think you'll enjoy that. Such brave girls oh my god it's so good such brave girls on the bbc very very funny very dark it's like trauma porn comedy basically it's that sort of dark but it's it's just very funny and i i think it's brilliant really really
3: trauma great trauma porn comedy
4: that's in well, my internet history it's it, it they basically they 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 use trauma as the basis of their comedy and, and, and but it, they do it in such a funny way you know the last episode i, I big discussion about whether or not they should go to therapy and the the sort of mother figure is just like you know therapy's a waste of time but just they mine that sort of young girl trying to find their way through these difficult situations and relationships really brilliantly it's so good such brave girls big big recommendation from me uh uh, uh, there was one more i think yes i I found a good show on paramount plus well done It's a German drama called One Trillion Dollars. And the setup for this is that uh, young John, who's a bicycle courier, is told that he's going to inherit one trillion dollars because of a prophecy that was made 500 years ago. The (laughs) prophecy, prophecy states that the guy who's donating the money, his youngest heir, will save the hope of the future with his wealth. So he's been given $1 trillion, but he's got to try and find a way of saving the human race from their own future. That's the kind of setup for it. Like there's one calculation that says in two hours time, your wealth has increased by $9 million. So that's the kind of money we're talking about here. But there's a really nice twist at the end of the first episode, which shows this isn't going to be a straightforward and easy way of him just spending a lot of money. It's essentially, will he stay alive for long enough? to make a difference. But I quite enjoyed this. It's filmed in German and Italian, but they use English quite a lot as they're talking across, across languages. So I would recommend watching this with the German audio on and subtitles because quite a lot of it is in English anyway. And you won't get the weird sort of dubbing that doesn't quite fit the actors. One trillion dollars if you have Paramount Plus. I think it's quite a good European drama worth watch. That sounds interesting, in fairness. yeah. yeah. I think that's me. i finished Lazarus Project. Have you started it, Damo?
1: No, not yet.
4: Remind us what that's on. That's on Sky and Now TV. Lots of fun action stuff and head-scratchy, timey wimey bits. And it definitely gets better as it goes on, I think. I think I criticised it for not taking it seriously enough in the early episodes, but I think it got better as it went on.
1: My My question is, do we get any real kind of like high-energy stuff from Papa Sidio? because it's usually, everything from me is really laconic. Yeah, someone must have kicked you up the arse by now, mate. Come on.
4: Uh, yeah, there's a lot of that. There is a lot of that laconic stuff, but there's certainly some moments in the series where he, he shows us a little bit more of his range. Oh, sweet, um, right. sweet. I'll check it out. Wow, that was an epic, what have we been watching? Should we move on quickly to what's coming soon? Let's. Yeah. Tell us what's coming, Adam. I'll kick off with Mayfair Witches, which comes out on the BBC uh, on the 6th of December, which is probably Wednesday. This is about... This is uh, the same universe as an interview with a vampire. It's one of Anne Rice's novel adaptations. A renowned neurosurgeon discovers that she is the heiress of a powerful family dynasty of witches, uh, which is haunted by an evil spirit for generations. It stars Alexandra Daddario, who was brilliant in the first season of The White Lotus, uh, Jen Richards, Annabeth Gish... Who Izzy will have been watching a lot of in Mike Flanagan stuff and LA Law's Harry Hamlin.
2: This sounds terrible and ridiculous, and I'm hundred percent gonna be watching it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, which is have having a moment, people? This is this is this is good. I'm here for this.
1: <laughs> and I'm assuming Harry Hamlin is one of the founding members of Hamlin, Hamlin and McGill.
4: No, he was well, he was. I did I mean, did any of you ever you're all too young for LA Law, aren't you? LA Law was such a brilliant show, and Harry Hamlin was kind of one of the very handsome lawyers in that show. He was also in um, Jason and the Argonauts, I want to say. One of they? that old sort of probably 70s black and white, the one with a, a clay, lots of clay monsters in it. It's a real classic movie. This is like
0: someone playing charades <laughs> on Christmas Day at like 11 pm. Everyone's had too much wine. We're I all think- just sat here like. Yes, by like the whole
4: thing. <laughs> he plays Perseus, I think, in a really classic film, and, and as a, he's a young man. And then he, he's yeah, he later on plays the character. In, I can't remember in LA Law. Fact-checking Adam from the future here. Uh, that Harry Hamlin film that I was referring to was, of course, Clash of the Titans, filmed in glorious Technicolor. Well worth checking it out if you haven't seen it before. A stone cold classic. Anyway, tell us about Platform Seven demo.
1: Absolutely, I would love to. So Platform 7 comes to ITVX on the 7th of December, so the day after The Mayfair Witches, and is a four-part psychological thriller television series. Yeah, yeah, it's a television series. Based on the 2019 novel Platform 7 by Louise Doty, and is a haunting thriller following central character Lisa who after witnessing a cataclysmic event on Platform 7 of a railway station, finds her own fragmented memory jogged to reveal a connection between her own life and that of the event she has just witnessed. Supernatural elements combine with contemporary realism in this chilling drama. And it stars the wonderful Jasmine Jobson, also says Toby Regbo and Phil
4: Davis. Yeah, I couldn't find a trailer for this one, but I think it sounds really interesting. And, you know, anything Jasmine Jobson's in, right? Will she get the chance to say furthermore every so
1: often?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know what else is available on the 7th of December? It's smothered on Sky and Now TV, a not so typical rom-com with two worlds colliding where romance blossoms, but the pressures of modern dating linger starring Daniel Vitalis and John Poynting, oi, from Big Boys, plus Blair Underwood, Harry Trevaldwin, who I really like, and Ashling B, who I also like. Okay, what are we thinking here? Like some sort of, what is this?
4: Uh, yeah, I quite, like, I quite like the look of this. Again, uh, I, I've heard good things about it um, from people who've seen previews. This is a really modern day look at dating.
0: Is it I- like an anthology series? It sounds like that.
4: I think the basic the basic setup is that they've both been through the dating world. She's a bit fed up of it all. She meets this guy and they decide that they're only going to date for three weeks and that's it. So it's like, you know, I, I, don't tell me anything about yourself because I'm only going to know you for three weeks. And that's the kind of sort of initial premise of it all. I think John Pointing is such a lovely performer. He's really brilliant in Big Boys. Blair Underwood, by the way, also in LA Law.
1: Nice. Uh, sorry, I said something completely different. And that is, if you met someone, you had enough of dating, and someone said to you, we're going to date for three weeks, don't bother telling me anything about yourself, would you be like, we don't need, even need three weeks, actually? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> or, I mean, is is someone of be like, oh, my God, that sounds so romantic? Or would you go, yeah, fuck it, actually, don't worry about it, mate. I mean, I wouldn't say it was romantic, but I would call
0: it efficient, and that's no bad thing. Now, who watched Vigil Season 1? Is he? I
2: did did. not, mainly because I heard very mixed things. So I gave it a hard pass. So you won't be excited about season
0: two coming out on the Beeb on the 10th of December?
2: I mean, look, if you guys could persuade me that season one is worth me going back and watching, maybe. But that's not generally what I heard.
3: I, I really enjoyed it, and I would wholly recommend it. Saran Jones is fantastic in it. So is... Oh, what's her name? Leslie Rose Leslie. I, I, I thought it was extremely captivating. You could easily binge it. It's, it's probably a very bingeable watch, season one. Let's remember proper titles, please, Neil. Knight of the Realm, Saran
4: Jones. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's back for season two, and it will see Amy, who I believe is Sir Anne Jones, investigating the cause of multiple unexplained fatalities whilst entering the world of drone warfare. It will also follow up on the relationship between Amy and her colleague and partner, Kirsten Longacre, played by Rose Leslie, who in the new season is expecting a baby. Also appearing Doug Gray-Scott, Chris Jenks and Ramona Gary, who I really like.
3: The first season was set on a submarine and was very claustrophobic. It was very appropriate to its setting. Having just directed a play using drones, not necessarily in warfare, but drone usage, I'm extremely interested in um, finding out what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, it's safe to say that season one was a bit of a mixed response from TV DNA officially. Um, As I said, obviously, with season two starting on the 10th of December... That is time enough to rewatch or to watch the whole of the first season, and then listen to the uh, the corresponding episodes of TV DNA to hear Neil wax lyrical about it, me say it's a load of shit, and Adam to
4: be in the middle.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and it was always in the middle, isn't he? Spoilers.
4: Great. We're running long. So should we pick maybe one piece of news each to anything in the news? There's a long list of news I've sent you here. I will kick off just to give you a bit of time. But I'm quite excited. Prime Video released not only first look photos of Fallout, but also a teaser trailer for Fallout. This is a new show that's coming out in April next year based on the Fallout video games. And we'll star Ella Purnell, Walton Goggins... Carl McLaughlin, it looks stunning. I'm really very excited about Fallout next year. Um, We'll put a link to the teaser trailer in the podcast notes.
0: The bit of news that is exciting me is Nicole Kidman has confirmed there will be Big Little Lies Season 3. Yes, please. Yes, please. Big fan of Season 1 and 2. Can't wait for this.
2: I am very excited about Renegade Nell, which Disney Plus have also just released first look photos from. This is a new drama from Sally Wainwright, and it stars Louisa Harland, uh, who is Orla from Derry Girls, as an 18th century highway woman. And it'll also star Nick Mohammed, Frank Delane, and Adrian Lester. This is brilliant cast, uh, Sally Wainwright, historical, female-led, ticks all my boxes, very up for this.
4: I mean, Orla, Orla
3: from Derry Girls in the lead role like amazing can't wait for this i'm very much looking forward to um the boys season four i know how excited adam gets um around the boys and um i yeah i i I have to join him on that like I have to join you with the boys, Adam. But yeah, got Jeffrey Dean Morgan joining. The trailer just looks absolutely fantastic. And then the other one is the 1066 William the Conqueror and Harold, who gets an arrow in his eye. I'm assuming Nikolai Costawaldo is playing William, and Harold is. The other guy that and in the future will will say because it's not on the most recent notes. But I'm really looking forward to that, particularly as I enjoy history so much. It's James Norton. It's it's when Tommy oh. Lee Rook meets Jamie Lannister. That's it, yes.
4: That sounds brilliant, doesn't it? The show's called King oh, it and does. King and Conqueror, and it was it's filming in Iceland's demo uh, and will appear on the BBC.
1: Yeah, that sounds very much up my street. So I'd assume that. Nikolai Costavaldo will be Harold, and uh, James Norton will be William. Uh, of Normandy. No, other way around. It's the other way around. Jesus Christ, what's going on in the world? James
3: um, Norton is going to play a French conqueror. That's surely much more Nikolai's casting. I would have thought. I mean, we. I, I guess we don't yeah. know. But
1: I, I mean, it's know. kind of. A, it's. It's. I know. I mean, in terms of what, of what, where people were actually from. The, the normans weren't really french our kings then were really more scandinavian than english anglo saxon at that time
3: no maybe that's why that's
1: why i assumed it was that way around but we've already talked for far too long about this when we were running long as is so apologies for that
3: um
1: well exactly well if i could give my bit of news we will um i think in further handsome news In further handsome news... Sorry, Adam, I've absolutely butchered your copy there. In further handsome chap news, and handsome being dubious, I would say, or at least arguable, Matt Smith will star in Sky's adaptation of Nick Cave's darkly comic novel The Death of Bunny Monroe. And it follows... Following his wife, Lily... Fuck's sake, yeah. It looks interesting. I'm not going to bother because I can't speak right now, it seems. But it follows the suicide of the lead character's wife, who's a sex addict and door-to-door beauty product salesman and self-professed Lothario, so I'm sure it's going to be captivating, uh, arousing, and many other things. Okay, I'm assuming he's probably not trying to have sex with his niece though, whilst that
3: happens. No, lead dad's Game of Thrones. I'm also looking forward to that. I never really saw Matt Smith as a Bit of a sex idol or a sex symbol, but he I, I kind of get it with his it's not Game of Thrones, House of the Dragons stuff. I kind of I see it there. Definitely never saw it in The Crown or Doctor Who. But yeah, I, I kind of see why that people might think that.
0: That little blonde curl,
4: Neil.
3: <laughs> so I was gonna
4: say. <laughs> Well, I suggest we bank the rest of this news for next week because there is quite a lot of news coming out. Lots of exciting casting news. We'll pop a few trailers. There's trailers for Criminal Record and Reacher as well. We'll pop those in the podcast description. Now, how many of you have watched any Doctor Who? What I'm going to suggest we do is we do the who University challenge quiz, which you can all take part in. It's a bit of fun. And then Neil and I will chat more about Doctor Who and, and if the rest of you want to have an early bath, then you can. How does that sound?
2: That yes, sounds... Please. Good. Have an early bath.
4: Great. Okay, so our our university challenge theme tune, theme tune, please. Thank you very much. Grace? Well,
0: there's a clear there's a clear solution to this. Like, what we should do is someone should do the Doctor Who theme tune and someone should do the University Challenge theme tune because we know that ends well on Zoom.
4: That's essentially <laughs> what I want. Either from one of you or one of our listeners to create a mashup of the Doctor Who and the University Challenge
3: theme tunes. Oh, I can do Doctor Who. Go on then. Yeah, but it has to be the same time as someone else doing the University Challenge, isn't it? Is anyone going to do University Challenge? I can't remember University Challenge. Let's park this. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, I'll do University
1: Challenge. Someone
4: else do Doctor Who. It's all the same, isn't it? That was it, yeah, right? We'll, we'll practice this for next week. So Patrick <laughs> Troughton is the second doctor and he is the subject of our who challenge this week. Patrick Troughton didn't like to be interviewed. He once said, I think acting is magic. If I tell you all about myself, it will spoil it. Okay, so your first question. These are all A, B or C options. I want quickfire answers from you all. Uh, what 1976 horror film did Patrick Troughton star in? Was it A, The Wicker Man, B, The Omen, or C, Carrie. Neil, you're up first. I'm going to go for the omen. The omen. Anyone else got a view on that nodding demo? Yeah, omen for me, middle answer.
2: I will also say the omen. I'm going to be contrarian and go with Carrie.
4: It was the omen. Very well done. Uh, nice, easy starter for the first question. Uh, question two. So, Patrick Tran was studying in the US. Uh, and returned to the UK to enlist for World War II. On his way, his boat was struck by a sea mine, and he later joined the Navy. But what did he wear on his head to keep warm? Was it A, his underpants? Was it B, a tea cosy? Or was it C, a deer stalker?
0: I'm gonna go with what I would opt for, which would be a tea cosy.
3: Okay, anyone else got a different opinion there, Neil? Yeah, I'm going to go for what is the most accessible, and that's underpants.
2: And I am also going to go for what I would go for, like Grace, which is underpants.
3: <laughs> I, th- I think, firstly, I- I'd like
1: to thank him for his service. Um <laughs> What was left?
4: Uh, Deerstalker.
1: Fine. If no one else did, I'll go Deerstalker.
4: The correct answer, Grace Chapman, was a tea cosy. You're back in the game. So that's one point each. Which character was Patrick Troughton the first to play on television in 1953? The first time his character was played on television was by Patrick Trouton in 1953. Was it A, King Arthur, B, Sherlock Holmes, or C, Robin Hood? Oh, I think, Neil, you're a fractionally quicker there. What are you going for?
3: I'm going to say Robin Hood.
2: I'm also going to say Robin Hood because I feel like someone has, this has been an answer in a pub quiz before.
0: I'll go with King Arthur. Why not give him a shout out?
1: If you'd said King Harold or William the Conqueror, I would have obviously gone for those. I think I'm going to go for the man in green as well, Robin Hood.
4: Robin Hood is the correct answer. So, yeah, they've all, um, all stepped away from you again, Grace, there. So Patrick Troughton appeared in children's classics The Box of Delights and Super Gran. Again, you're all looking at me blankly because you're all too young. But in which detective drama did he appear in the very first episode of? L.A. Law. Oh, sorry. Was it a in Lacy? Was it a Inspector Morse, B Juliet Bravo, or C Dempsey and Makepeace? Neil Juliet Bravo
0: Inspector Morse. I'm going to say Inspector Morse.
1: I'm going to go for I'll oh, fuck it. I'll go Dempsey and Makepeace. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it was Inspector Morse. Um, so that puts Izzy, I think, on three points, and everyone else on two. Uh, so final question. Patrick Trouton died in 1987, but how many years later was his image used in a Doctor Who episode? Was it 17 years later, 27 years later, or 37 years later?
3: 27, I always go for the middle. I listen to Michael Ball as often as I can on Radio 2, always go for the middle answer. I
1: thought you said last episode that it was never to go for the middle answer. <laughs> I'm going to go with 17.
2: I'm going to go... Sorry, what were the options again? 17, 27, 37. Yeah. I'm going to go 27.
1: Jeez. Um, 17, 27, 37. This is an hard demo. Uh, let's go 37.
4: 37, Damien, which would mean that his last appearance, last time he was used in a Doctor Who episode, was in 2024. I mean, he's <laughs> a time lord. So, it could be the
2: case. okay, thank you. Because I i thought mathematically that didn't make sense, but I'm really bad at math, so I didn't want to say it in case I was wrong. <laughs> and i did that wrongly.
4: Um, the right answer is 27. So, I think, Grace, that means you you won, didn't you? No. no. Really? No, fine. Oh, God. Grace, <laughs> Izzy, so cold. and Neil and Grace, you've all tied with three points there, yeah. I think.
0: I think uh, Izzy yeah. won. Superfan. Oh, it was <laughs> one ahead, excuse you. Yeah, Doctor yeah. Who superfan. Izzy, said 20, sorry.
4: Did you? I thought you said seventeen years.
0: No, I said twenty-seven.
4: Oh, sorry. I've got it. I've got. I got very confused at the end there. But anyway, yes, there was an episode called Robot of Sherwood. Uh, I think it was maybe a Capaldi episode of Doctor Who, and they showed Robin Hood future depictions of himself, which included Patrick Trouton as Robin Hood from nineteen fifty-three. That was fun, wasn't it? Well, it
1: was fun.
4: Let's fun. So, uh, so Neil and I are going to talk about Doctor Who a bit now. And you're welcome to stay and listen to us if you'd like to. But if you want to take that early bath option, you can. Uh, what are we saying is going to be our this episode next week? I mean, Question. sure, we next door. Maybe Smothered?
2: I think
0: Smothered. Let's try Smothered.
3: Okay, let's go for that. We don't often do a rom-com. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know whether you feel you've got much to add, Grace and Izzy, but one of the biggest things that came out of watching Two Minutes Cybermen is how women have been predicted in Doctor Who. So if you were wanting to stay for at least part of the conversation, Rather than it just be two middle-aged white guys talking about women's representation in culture, TV culture.
2: That's a beautiful invite, Neil.
3: But I don't think I'll have much to contribute if
2: I'm being perfectly honest. The hot
3: bath is calling.
2: <laughs> the hot bath is calling, but I, I wish you well talking about The Little Boy Wizard. <laughs> okay. All right, enjoy all
0: the timey-wimey stuff. Bye. Bye.
4: These are not
1: the podcasters you are looking for.
4: Yeah. Bye. So, Neil, you've, you've mentioned it already, but yes, there's some problematic
3: stuff with this 60s TV, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I really enjoyed looking back at previous incarnations of Doctors and the performers. Patrick Troughton is so watchful and I've re- I, I really enjoy him. I mean, he wasn't the Doctor when I started watching Doctor Who, but looking back at past episodes, I've I've really enjoyed his performance and what he's offered. And I've worked with David Trout and his son at the Old Vic. So I kind of feel some kind of kind of warm feeling about him. But my main thing, I mean, OK, so two of the Cybermen, let's... Initially, just be clear on the plot. I've only, it's a three episode storyline. I've only watched the first one, but it is basically a team of archaeologists who are studying the Cybermen and they have found the tomb of the Cybermen that are believed to be extinct. And just before they get into that tomb, the doctor. And I think it's Robbie, his Scottish maid assistant. Is it Robbie? Jamie. 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 Okay. Yeah. Played by Fraser Jamie. Hines. And he, he was, yeah, Fraser Hines was one of the longest running doctor companions. He's, yeah. He's brilliant. He he really is. <laughs> um, and, and a very funny Scottish accent. I'm not completely convinced that it was natural, but I haven't had time to do my homework on that. Fact-checking, Adam, From the future, back again, just to say that Fraser
4: Hines was an English actor, born and raised in England, but he did have a Scottish mother. So he had a good reference point.
3: And then a new female companion. What was her name? Was it Rose? I think that's because I've watched the most recent episode.
4: Yeah, I can't remember what her... I'll try and find it while you're talking.
3: Okay. So a brand new female companion and they want to go on an adventure and the TARDIS takes them to this tomb of the Cybermen and the other kind of archaeologists, no, I can't say that archaeologists are there and they're not particularly happy about this other team turning up. Anyway, they get into the tomb and the, I guess the commercial, Archaeologists or the trip that's being set up don't really want this rival group of archaeologists as they see it um to be there. So there's a little bit of let's get rid of these others and then they eventually get to a point where they release uh a cyberman who who kills one of the one of the team. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I, I will, if I find time, watch episodes two and three of that narrative. But it really set me to thinking about how women were being portrayed within Doctor Who and no doubt a lot of TV at that time. And either they were weak English Rose vulnerable, um, subservient, in the case of the companion in this episode, or they were villains in in the sense of the other female character in this episode, but also you can think of the Rani and other kind of Doctor Whos. And it made me think, you know, at what point did Doctor Who... I mean, right now... You know, we've got female doctors and we've got amazing female companions and they're all very strong and unbelievable individuals. But at what point did that change? Because it definitely wasn't the case with the team of Cybermen. And I've been thinking about it. And the only well, the first confident, strong, progressive female character that wasn't a villain, most importantly, was probably Ace with Sylvester McCoy, Doctor. Can you think of one previous to that,
4: Adam? I mean, I would have made, I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about rewatching some of the Doctor Who's before we started doing this. And that um Louise Jameson played a character called Leela, who was yeah. like, Tom Baker's uh, assistant. Oh, okay. She is wearing sort of quite skimpy sort of outfit. And she was definitely a, a pin up of her age. I mean, yeah. One of my early crushes as a young man was on Leela in Doctor Who. But- Lucky you, because she's she's visited the space many times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but watching it back, you know, she's this kind of independent sort of member of this tribe on this alien planet. And she kind of resists their patriarchal rule, essentially, and, and rebels against all of that. Um, so I think she was, I think Leela was, you know, a feminist icon. I, again, I've only watched, I've only had time to watch sort of three yeah. or four episodes of that period. Of stuff, And I'm not a massive expert on all of the female companions throughout Doctor Who. But I think it's fascinating to chart. I mean, you can chart so many different things from like the development of, of CGI and and especially yeah. to, you know, attitudes to women and, and you know, representation on screen. I mean, we, we get a black actor in this Patrick Troughton episode who's playing a character that is described as a slave. Yeah, yeah. sort of problematic stuff in there and yet yeah. the latest episode of Doctor Who um, little spoiler if you haven't watched last Saturday's Doctor Who but Isaac Newton is portrayed by Nathaniel Curtis who was in To Sin so I think Doctor Who almost does sort
3: of hold a mirror up to what society is doing at that time Absolutely, so, it, it's hugely progressive um, right now but just watching The Two and the Cybermen, it just suddenly made me realize God, it really wasn't them. And also, I mean, some people have knocked it. I I, I think it's fantastic. But in the David Tennant mini series before Newt Gatwa takes over as the Doctor, you've got a really strong trans character. There's been some amazingly strong female characters and LGBT characters. And I think Russell T Davies probably deserves many badges for, for for that to be the case. And, you know, the bisexual captain. So, no, I mean, they, they definitely learned from that. But that was definitely the largest thing watching back to that episode. Yeah, I can definitely say the Trouton is very watchable i mean the the script is very clumpy i enjoyed jamie and i felt almost insulted by how meek and overly feminine the the female assistant was yeah i mean you know these shows
4: back in the 60s were predominantly made by middle-aged white men right i think that is is difficult watching that stuff back definitely problematic you know, it's a product of its time, isn't it, necessarily? But as I say, I think Doctor Who now is really, really good indication. And in fact, sort of paving the way in a lot of different ways for how representation on TV should be. Um, yeah,
3: definitely. No, I, I agree with that.
4: But yeah, Patrick I, uh it's funny with these things that we're doing. Like last week, I only got time to watch one of the women, William Hartnell episodes. And they usually are in these three or four episode arcs, each story. And that first episode is normally... Probably the most boring one of the of the of the ones. To watch. <laughs> I, I had time to watch the second episode of the team of the Cybermen, and it and the plot so definitely moves on. And there's a really really creepy moment of these Cybermen emerging, which I quite enjoyed. But yeah, I'm 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 a little bit on the fence with Patrick Trout, and I, I've always found him a little bit annoying in a way. Um, he's oh, made, really, yeah, he's meant to be quite chaplinesque esque, and I I don't get that from him. I don't know. I, William Hartnell and Patrick Trout, and I've always really struggle to identify with. And again, maybe it is that because it's from that early period. I don't have a favourite of the two either, really. They're probably both on a par for me. But I can see that, you know, a lot of a lot of the Doctor Who qualities are there in Patrick Troughton, and I can see why he would have been a success of his time, definitely.
3: I mean, my feeling is that Troughton brought a humour... More so than Hartnell did. That's that's my general feeling. And I do have a slight bias because I've worked with his son, David Trotton So I have a fondness when I watch stuff that he does. Mm-hmm. I could have watched more of the Two of the Cybermen very easily and, and maybe well do. But due to time constraints, I chose to watch Res Dogs. I think what really succeeded there for the whole franchise is the whole concept of regenerating and a new personality coming in. And I think that is the massive success for the whole franchise of Doctor Who, that you can do that, you know, that, that allowed it to continue Certainly into our childhoods and even now, you know, I really enjoy watching the modern Doctor Who and I'm loving the storyline and the complexity of what they're doing with David Tennant returning briefly. I do, I I think it was an absolutely fantastic thing to give us a new Doctor that had a completely different personality and we should only be thankful for that Imaginative idea that the Doctor can regenerate and this series can keep going because it's a large part of so many people's childhoods, certainly mine.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So we've got our third Doctor coming up then, John John Pertwee, Wurzel Gummidge himself, is going to be our third Doctor that yeah. we'll be talking about. I haven't yet. I haven't been able to get uh, three episodes for you to pick from, so maybe we'll do this off air. But there was one episode called "The Three Doctors." William Hartnell and Patrick Troughton so that might be quite an interesting one to have a look at inferno is quite often held up as a good uh, a good episode so maybe we'll maybe we'll double it up with inferno but he's got some good titles of stories from spearhead from space day of the daleks and terror of the
3: autons okay so team of the cybermen was that the first time that the cybermen were introduced to the viewers uh, i'm not, again i'm not a a uh, who
4: an expert, so I can't I can't guarantee that. It's definitely an early appearance of the Cybermen.
3: Because we've not really talked about the Daleks and their early introduction to the Who Doctor Who universe. I think if getting Hartnell, Troughton, and Pertwee together for the three doctors was the first time the they did that, because they've done that many times since then, but if it's the first time of overlapping those time frames for those individual Doctors, I think that'd be a really interesting episode.
4: Okay, let's do that then. So we'll go with the three Doctors and maybe watch a bit more of the Day of the Daleks or something like that as well. But Grant, looking forward
3: to it. Thank you very much for this, Neil. Not at all. Well, before I exterminate you, let's say goodbye. Do you want to give... Socials. i probably ought to yes if you want to let us know what you think of doctor who or anything that we've been
4: talking about or what you're watching you can get in touch with us on the social media at Pod, or you can email tvdnapod at gmail.com i highly recommend checking out obliterated don't listen to what those others said it's a great show <laughs> but yeah thanks for listening we'll be back next week goodbye bye bye, bye.
1: You, me, you, me, me, you, you, me. Okay, me. Chuckle me. Brothers, get on with it. I
0: hey, just wondered—is
1: no, 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 it. no. Please, I insist. I am. No. Oh, Billy no, What demo? I was just going to say, you know what else is available on the seventh, but you were about to do it anyway.